Amen, and thank you. You may be seated. It's a great night. We are going to, of course, have our service tonight, and then tomorrow, bright and early, go out with a smile on our face and a lilt in our step and excitement and anticipation and serve the Lord because Jesus is coming back. It could be any moment. It could be any time. We want to be prepared. We want to be ready. We want to be excited, and we want to share Jesus Christ. You know, the next breath you take might be your last. You know, the next heartbeat could be your last. And I'll never forget sitting under the preaching of Dr. Bob Shockey, an old free will Baptist and a great preacher of the gospel, uh, down in Dothan, Alabama, when we were working down there years ago. We were first married and working, and we had our own little church up in the country, but uh, nobody went out at night in that, those parts. It was kind of spooky. So we would make our way back, and we'd try to get to a church, and, uh, and Bob Shockey would always deliver the great message. But I remember him saying that, that he had frequently said, you're only a heartbeat away from heaven, heartbeat away from eternity. And then he had a medical person say, actually, you're only a half a heartbeat away. And I don't know what the technical difference is, but that doesn't give me more confidence. That just gives me more realization and awareness that our times are in God's hands. So we're in the service of the King. That's why we're here. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm glad you've come out tonight. All week long, let's live in light of that in the service of the King. Be out Wednesday night. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. Wednesday night in 2 Corinthians. Amen. We're getting through it. And this is Missions Month, and we want to give and increase our giving. You've got those, those faith promise forms. We'll hand those out every, every Sunday. Give you an opportunity on that. Remember the 60th anniversary. We've got those decals. I want you to get those out. And invite everybody can fill a row. Let's all be working on that. Don't forget the extravaganza on Saturday the 21st. Don't forget this next Saturday. We've got Bible Institute at 3 o'clock. And that's, uh, that's going to be session 1802. Don't miss it as we study uh, what God was doing with His people in the book of Exodus. Well, amen. Amen. Lots of neat things Coming up, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for our care and share, share and care, care and share uh, dinner. Uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, we're going to sign up also for our cookies and caroling. We're going to go out to Fellowship House on December the 8th. We're going to have a great Christmas musicale on the 17th, Sunday the 17th. Invite everybody out and uh, just a great time to finish out 2023. And look forward to, I can't believe it, I can't believe I'm saying it, 2024 is coming just around the corner. Now, I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I know that if we live past midnight on December 31st of this year, it will be 2024. If the rapture hasn't taken place and we haven't gone to be with Jesus, we will be living in yet another year. And that's going to be an exciting one, too. So, praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles tonight. Would you turn with me, please? Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Every, good to hear those pages. All right. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And you know, in Acts chapter 6, we learn about the, the, the uh, motivation for having 
deacons. Now, the word for pastor is, uh, is the same as you would have for shepherd, same, same word that you have. And uh, that's a, a very important description. The number one task of the pastor, the preacher, is to feed the flock of God. And we should be interested in what the flock is eating and what's eating them. Because you've got all kinds of things that have to be dealt with. Uh, all of you that feel that you might make a good preacher, pastor, and uh, you feel you've got the gifts and so forth, uh, brace yourself. In addition to that, you've got to have a disposition, not just the position, you've got to have a disposition that lends itself to dealing with people and all of their hang-ups and all of their foibles. And, and uh, the pastor, of course, has his own uh, human frailties. And so it's an interesting combination. But the deacons are the diakonos, and the diakonos uh, is a, a servant, a helper, an assistant. And there was a reason for deacons uh, in the church. They had all of these spiritual leaders, the, the apostles, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, Acts 6.1, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Sounds like a schism. I mean, this is long before uh, Corinth had a church. I mean, this is long before that. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, we talked about widows this morning, and praise God, this church takes care of widows. Always has. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It wasn't that they thought that they were more important. It's that they had a spiritual calling and a priority. And if you've got uh, only 24 hours in a day, then you've only got 24 hours times 60 minutes times 60 seconds. And that's all the seconds you've got. When they're gone, they're gone. And therefore... We as human beings need to be led of the Spirit to prioritize. And if tonight I'm, I'm hitting you in a very tender spot because you're not getting things done, you're not hitting your goals, all right, you need to get with the Lord and reprioritize. God gives us all that we need. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. And God will give you all the time and all the money and all the resources that you need to do what you're supposed to do in His perfect will. So what that means is this. You're not in His perfect will regarding every aspect of prioritizing and doing the things that God has called you to do and be what God has called you to be. These 12, these, these apostles, they, they knew that they would not be able to add another two, three hours to the day. They couldn't do that. So what did they have to do? They had to get God's people involved. And that's why when I came on board here, we... we Moved here from California 21 plus years ago. I introduced the 3D program. That is, every position in this church ought to have a God-called person who's got the gifts and the calling of God. And then they should have an assistant who's about their age and about their experience in Christian things that can step in in case they go down. And there should be a third person who's about half their age that's just coming up. And that's the future. And right now, in so many ways, because of COVID and because of other circumstances, we don't have all the three deep that we'd like to have. But we know how it ought to be done. We know what ought to be done. We just need to make sure that folks at that first level down, that next level down, are all 
doing what they ought to do. Winning souls, living for Jesus, bringing in folks, bringing in people. And when that happens, we have, as we had this, this morning, once again, we had guests who got saved at the fair, got saved at the fair, and they're, they're back again. And why do you think, do you think I had planned in the invitation to say, and uh, who here will raise their hand and commit to baptism next week? That's why. That's exactly why. We all need to be doing our job. We need to be winning souls and discipling people and, and going after folks. And if that's the case, there'll be lots of new blood, lots of people. This church won't die in a generation or two. Instead, we'll have three deep in every position, everything that's essential, and God will provide it. He'll give us all the people. So when, when God gave gifts after Jesus, of course, uh, was ascended and, and led captivity captive, all right? God gave gifts, and He gave, as you see in Ephesians chapter 4, He gave the gifted ones to the church. That's it. That's it. The pastor's primary task, his joy and privilege, is to feed the flock of God. And in the, in the course of doing that, not just preaching sugar stick messages, but preaching the Word, and getting in, sinking teeth deep, people discover the gifts that are given. Now, where do we find those? All right. Hold your place in Acts chapter 6. And go over to Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. When we list the gifts, there are three groups of gifts. There are the sign gifts, which are apostolic signs for the apostolic age, and they're no longer necessary because we have the completed Bible. I am a cessationist. That means I believe that the uh, sign gifts of the apostolic age are no longer operative in the church. That doesn't mean God can't do it. It just means God doesn't need to because we've got the completed canon of Scripture. We've got all 66 books. All those verses are all right there. And that says so in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. So when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So we understand when we're listing the 19 gifts of uh, the Spirit found in the New Testament, you have, to, you have to check off those that are no longer operative. In the 12th chapter of Romans, we, uh, we have the how-to of service given to us. And it says in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye what? What are we supposed to do? Now, let me, let me say something. You're never going to get to verse 3, 4, 5, and 6 in your Christian experience unless you willingly and deliberately surrender control over your entire person to God. Don't expect to develop, discover, develop, and, and uh, do those gifts. And that's what it is. Put it down. One, two, three. Discover your gift or gifts. Everybody got one or several when you got saved. Got to discover it. You say, I still haven't discovered it. It's been 50, 60 years. Well, you're doing something wrong. By now, you should know. Number two, it should be developed. That means don't be uh, Mr. or Mrs. Bashful. Step out there in faith. Step out of the boat. Walk on the water. Number three, just do it. Just do it. Discover it. Develop it. Do it. It's my joy as your pastor to help you to discover it. So there it is. How do you do that? Present 
your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind recycled, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, notice, we're not all that we think we are, all right? For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, uh, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So there it is. We, we realize what we are and what we aren't. Now, here it is. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So we are all interconnected. The gift or gifts that God's given you that you need to discover, develop, and do may not be identical to the skill set that somebody else has, but when you're working with them, look at me, cooperatively, cooperatively it's like this. And Ray, your Spanish ministry is going to work when everybody's cooperatively connected. And the, every ministry of this church is going to work when we're like that. When everybody's going their own direction, doing their own thing, you can count on the church dying in a generation. God's people have to discover their gifts, develop their gifts, and do them. Very important. There it is. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts, look at the next word. What is it? Say it. Differing. That's right. According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now the only sense in which there is still prophecy is the prophecy that's written in the Bible. And that's the only prophecy that came by revelation, inspiration, etc., but there, there may be a sense in which the pastor now stands up and forth, not for, but forth tells, declares the truth. But that's it. That's the extent of it. What you got written and what may be declared by the pastor across the pulpit from the Word of God, not anything extra. That's it. All right, now read on. That's got to be by faith. It's got to be, where is that found? That's in the Word of God. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth. Now, ministering means serving. He that teacheth on teaching. or that's, that's a spiritual gift of teaching, not just because the person happens to have taken some courses. They got a certificate, and they're creative. And they, you know, they really they got their color palette down. No, that's not it. That's not, that's not what teaching is here. Teaching is a gift of the Spirit. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. There you go, that's a gift. He that ruleth, that's administration with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. That's a gift, a gift of the Spirit, showing mercy with cheerfulness. There it is. And then it goes on with uh, admonitions. So that how we do what we do for God, based upon what he's given us in resources, is as important as what we do. How we do it is as important as what we do. I mean, we do great mischief, great harm to the cause of Christ when we don't demonstrate the, the gift of the Spirit in our life with the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. We've got to demonstrate the gift of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, that's the conditioning. That's the, that's the moderating factor. And today, 
the church is in danger of going out of existence because a lot of people wanted to dot their I and cross their T, but they, they've got the right position, but the wrong disposition. Never going to win this world. Never going to go forward if we don't get that cleaned up and fixed up. All right, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I love these passages of Scripture because they're inexhaustible. And uh, here we have Paul introducing to the Corinthians in chapter 12 a little bit of their background of their past. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Know ye that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb, I mean mute idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So that's uh, uh, an insight into some telltale signs of what's out of balance or wrong spiritually. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Same Holy Spirit, but diversities of gifts. Now, remember, there are three groups of gifts, of gifts of the Spirit. There are the, there are the sign gifts of the apostles, the apostolic age. They're no longer operative. Number two, there are speaking gifts. And some people have these. Some people who cannot otherwise speak in any forum or venue uh, have a gift of using that speech, which is, uh, you know, as we have looked at it through the lens of uh, science and creation, we understand that only humans can speak and have a rational thought pattern and a rational communication. Parrots can parrot. That's true, you know. And uh, dolphins can squeal and all of that. And, and you know, animals make animal noises. And they probably understand each other, uh, or at least the, t the tone of noise. You know, like, let's go. You know, here, here, comes, here comes the cheetah. He's coming after the gazelles. And so they're, you know, how you can watch that on Wild Kingdom is beyond me. But, um, you know, see that gazelle become lunch. Ugh. Anyway, uh, they can probably be understood among themselves, among their own kind. But they can't communicate rationally. And even though you might say a horse is a spirited animal, it ain't got no spirit. Nope. Only humans have that spirit with which God communicates and we communicate to God. Uh, we also have soul. When the soul and spirit are separated in Scripture, the soul is your personality and your emotions. And those two are distinct and separate. And we've got to make sure by the Word of God, which divides soul and spirit, that we're not making our choices because we got angry or we got, or we got flattered. That's emotional. And emotional decisions will always be regretted later on. They will not last for eternity. All decisions must be made on the basis of the Spirit. Very important. So we have speaking gifts in here. And we also have serving gifts. And everybody has a spiritual gift or, or perhaps more than one. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. That's why local church A down the road has uh, in their bylaws that deacons are elected by the congregation 
for a three-year term, but nobody can serve more than two consecutive terms, and they have to sit out a year, two or three, or whatever, and they, they have it set up. And we don't do that. We just elect and re-elect and re-elect and re-elect. As long as people are deaking, they can be a deacon. As long as people are trustee, they can be a trustee. You know, I mean, we, we believe that. But that doesn't make Church A over here wrong and make us right. They're just differences of administration. Some, some churches, you come forward to join, and that gets you enrolled in a 16-week course. And you're not allowed to become officially presented to the church for membership until you complete that course. It's like taking a, a course in college in some cases. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't do that. We find out if they've got a salvation profession and if they're willing to be scripturally baptized, and that takes care of it. Now, they're going to grow in grace, but it's not going to become the front-loaded part of joining the church. <clears throat> it's, it's just different everywhere. There are differences of administration. Preachers, all preaching the same Bible, King James Bible, have different styles. Different, different ways of doing things. And some may seem to be better, and some may seem to be worse, but that's not the point. We got the same God, the same Bible, the same thing, a church, okay? So there are differences, all right? And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given, please notice the next two words, to every man. For what purpose? To profit with all. For the glory of God, to get the work of God done. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now this is a divine gift that was operative during the apostolic age where they had wisdom beyond their human capacity. They had something extra. They had that divine insight. And you've got some phony baloney counterfeits today. You've got the guy that comes on TV. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen a clip of it. Came on TV. Now, we're not hooked up to the cable, so don't start a rumor. But uh, uh, I actually saw a video of this. And the fellow goes, he's talking, and he's talking to the camera, and he goes, what's that, Lord? Now, he's been caught in a bunch of stuff, but that's just, that's foolishness. That is not the way it works. That was apostolic, and it was genuine. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So this is a person who has a word of knowledge. Now, it's not in addition to the Bible. It has to be in agreement with the Bible. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, faith, we all have faith. We're saved by grace through faith. But this is the gift of faith. This is supernatural faith. So that the apostles had something beyond even what we experience in that respect. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. We believe according to James chapter 5, people can still get healed. Amen. God can still heal people up, but we don't have the apostolic gift of healing. We don't go on the road and pop people in the head and, and uh, claim that they, you know, that they had a shock run through them or something they got healed. All right. To another, the working of miracles. Now, it's a miracle every time somebody gets saved. But not like the apostolic miracles, all right? Uh, we don't raise anybody from the dead. Anybody in this church age, age of grace, that claims to have raised somebody from the dead is a liar. 
That's, that's part of the apostolic age. Uh, to another, discerning of spirits. To another, di divers of different kinds of tongues. That's languages. Every place in the Bible where it talks about a tongue, whether you've got the italicized word unknown before it, unknown tongue, or tongue or tongues, however it is, it's talking about a language. Look this way. A language isn't just sound. It isn't just a bunch of syllables that come up. Frequently, when I have listened, I've, I've, I, seriously, I've tried to study uh, listening to people who said they were speaking in tongues. Now, that, that is not true New Testament tongues. It's syllables. Sometimes it sounds like a, a little Spanish with uh, some other things, you know, a little, uh, uh, maybe a little German, a little guttural German or some, some, um, some Arabic or something thrown in. There are cases where demons have enabled people to actually speak in a language when they had these tongues meetings, and that's dangerous. You invite another spirit in. Got to be careful about that. But uh, there's no need for tongues now because we've got the completed Bible. I'm a cessationist. As I said, you should be a cessationist as well as far as those New Testament uh, apostolic gifts. So... Here we have tongues. For it to be a tongue, it, ha it has to have form. How many of you remember nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives? You don't remember much, though. Uh, that's one of those things that you've selectively forgotten about unless you teach it. All right? But it has form, and every language has a little different form. Spanish has different tenses than we have in English, but you can translate across as close as possible. And uh, so we have form and we have grammar. And I'm not talking about, you know, grandpa's wife grammar, but I'm talking about grammar, a certain correct way to say it. All right. You have syntax. Everything fits together. You have form and grammar and syntax to make a language. And these uh, extra biblical uh, guttural noises, uh, ecstatic utterances, are not actual languages. They are exuberant. In some cases, they're Christians, and they're just excited, and that's what they've been taught, and anybody can do it. You get worked up enough, you can start talking in gibberish. And, and so it's, it's not from God. Now, God doesn't strike them dead, so it's permissive, but it's not from God. It's not His perfect will. The tongues that we find in Acts chapter 2 were known tongues, known languages. We have them listed there. People were from around the world. They were in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, which was an Old Testament feast. It was, it was um, 50 days after, um, after the Passover, and, uh, and that's the reason they were there. They were conducting business and different languages, not all of them spoke or understood Hebrew. Uh, maybe most of them knew Aramaic, which was the common tongue of that time. Some may have known Latin, which was, of course, the, uh, the, the legal language of the Roman Empire. Uh, they may have known Greek, which was the educated tongue. Uh, nowadays, if you're going to conduct business at the international level, your kids got to take French because that's, that's what they do. They do... They write out and do things. I don't know if they still do, but they did. It used to be French. So 
A language has form and grammar and syntax. Uh, what is going on today is a counterfeit. Whether it's intentional or otherwise, it does not glorify God. It draws attention away. People that are seeking that gift, that are desiring that gift, are doing that instead of going soul winning, instead of you know growing in grace. It is a sidetrack of the devil. I'm not saying that the people are demon-possessed. I'm just saying they've been, they've been fooled by the devil. And God help them. We want to be kind and loving, don't we? We want to help them to see what a great thing, if they can just let loose of that and get back into the program. So there we have some things listed for us. We have um, uh, diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. But the, all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So we have the different parts of the body being discussed and how everybody hurts when one hurts and so on and so forth. I made reference to Ephesians. Please turn there with me. Uh, Ephesians and chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And it says, verse number 9, now he that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. Previous verse says, Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now look at verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some. Here's the gifted ones. He gave some apostles. Who did he give them to? To the churches. And some prophets to the churches. And some evangelists to the churches. And some pastors and teachers. The gifted ones given to help us with our spiritual discovery and growth. For the perfecting, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a complete man. That's what we're compared to. The body is compared to a complete man, a person. Jesus Christ is the head and we're the body parts. And when we're all working cooperatively, cooperatively together, then our gifts have the greatest use. And we are not the Lone Ranger. Don't be, you know, the individual loner. Instead, let's work cooperatively for the glory of God. Now, back in Acts, let's turn there quickly, Acts chapter 6, we had the neglecting of these widows in the daily ministration. And so, the 12 apostles say to the congregation, we need some deacons, we need some helpers. And that's why uh, they are being selected. Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So the uh, nominations come from the people. The selection in this chapter comes from the pastor. We don't exactly do it that way, but... Uh, we put our stamp of approval on those that are voted in and approved. All right. And the multitude was pleased, and so they, they, they got their apostles and um, uh, their deacons all working without overlapping, without any problem of uh, resources. Everything was being supplied by God. And God does give us everything we need to get the work done. I want you to look at verse number four. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Father, I pray that you'll give us guidance into what we're going to say next. 
pray that everyone, having received the word thus far, will be open, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the 12, the apostles, are saying, but now that we have people that are helping us, we could say now that we have people filling all the slots, developing their gifts that they've discovered, serving the Lord, just doing it, being cooperative, having the right position with the right disposition, getting along with each other, the church can function like a body can function. Can you imagine a, a, a body that has parts that are rebelling against other parts? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, how awful that would be? It would be terrible. And that's what self-willed Christians do to the local church. In a previous ministry, there was a couple, when they didn't like what the church, the vast majority, had voted on and approved, they would divert their giving, not through the church, but directly to the items. They would buy the items, bring them to the church, and say, this is now the church's. They would just make up their own mind to do it. Now, I'm not against people checking it out and saying, you know, Pastor, I'd like to help out with this item. And I might say, that's wonderful, that's great. Or I might say, you know, we need to check and see if that's exactly the direction that we want to go in that particular area. But people that are so impulsive and so willful that say, I'm not going to put that tithe check and that offering in the offering plate and trust God's people to do it the right way. Instead, we're going to go do it our way because we're going to have it our way, my way, or the highway. That's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. There are people, when we determined that we were going to be one for all and all for one, and we were going to, in a previous ministry, have a bus campaign or a Sunday school campaign, it was going to start on such such a date and on such such a date. Tom, you know what I'm talking about. Five weeks or eight weeks or whatever. Why, they would decide to do their big thing a week before or a week after instead of getting into it. Can you imagine such a thing? And so there was not any unity. There wasn't any one accordedness. There were people that were doing their own thing. What is the solution to that? Well, God can solve it, but I would hate for him to have to do that. What a, what a terrible thing that God's got to say, wait a minute, stop, stop everything. Here it is. I got to go down there. There's some church members that are acting like they're going to have their own way and not go along with what the church, the godly thing the church is doing, just because they disagree. What a terrible thing. We need to be of one heart and one mind. The Bible says that first church was in one place, in one accord. They were together. That's what we need to do. You say, oh yes, but I was, I was trained up this way. I was raised up this way. And I don't exactly agree with every aspect of it. I'm sorry, you don't. But if you're a member of the Lord's church, then you ought to be in agreement with what the Lord's church is doing. Or, excuse me for saying this, I don't want to lose anybody, but maybe you should find a church where you do agree or start your own. Because that's it. When the apostles said, we will give ourselves continually, they were making a statement that they were going to do God's will no matter what anybody else did. Everybody else needed to do what they uh, had to do under the will and the program of the local New Testament church. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer, they said. 
We're going to give ourselves continually to the ministry of the Word. That's it. Now, if they don't, then they fail at their end of it. And 1 Peter, in chapter number 5, says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, that's dishonest money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, that's dictators, but being and samples to the flock. That's the high watermark. That's it. We lead by example and influence. We lead by declaring the truth. And everybody who's right with God says, Amen and Amen. So the preacher gets up and he says, All I'm asking is that everybody take some tracks and try to witness. All I'm asking is that you prayerfully consider coming out on Saturday for visitation. Or get yourself a partner and go on visitation. But let's, let's keep it organized. Brother Dequan has spent hours on end planning our visitation strategy. He's got the areas and the places and does a wonderful job. And why on earth should we waste that resource and everybody do their own thing just because they want to do their own thing? Amen. Amen. So there it is. There it is. We have been given gifts by God. The saints have been equipped so that the saints can work together hand in glove. So that the saints can be cooperative. So that every body part can work together in cooperation and be led by the head who is Jesus Christ. That's the only way this thing is going to work. It's not a matter of... of Everybody going their own direction. I've seen too much of that. In New Testament church, God has provided many hands to make light work. So you and I need to discover what our gifts might be and then do them. It says back one chapter in 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That's with authority. If any, uh, if any man minister, serve, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You can read that whole chapter and get the, the whole sense of it. But here's what it comes down to. We steal the glory from God when we don't work cooperatively in the perfect will of God in the local church. We keep Jesus Christ from being glorified when we decide we're going to do our own thing instead of doing God's thing together, together. When we have an all-church, you know, visitation and soul-winning day, we should be there. That should be our priority. That should come ahead of shopping or any other appointments or social activities. As I said to uh, our workers this morning, the workers' meeting, you know, Jesus Christ ought to be at the center of every venue of our life, including the social. And yet, we have today in the 21st century, we have Christians who are taking certain things and putting it out here, and Jesus Christ has nothing to do with it. And so, they're going out here to do this thing, and it becomes more and more and more and more important because the people around it become more and more and more entangled in our life rather than us doing everything with Jesus at the center. I've got certain gifts. It's 
important that I discover them. It's important that I develop them and I do them in cooperation with everybody in the local church under the plan of God. Everybody going forward at the same time. And my question to you is, have you discovered your gift or gifts? Have you developed these? Are you doing these in and through and out of the local church for the glory of God? We're going to the ends of the earth. We're going to talk about that Wednesday night and throughout the month. But it all begins right here at home. The United States of America is rapidly becoming a pagan, post-modern, post-Christian nation. The United States of America has within it those who claim to be Christians. In fact, over 100 million of our 300 and some million claim to be saved Christians. And if that's true... I'm wrong on everything else because that just cannot seem to be the truth. The way this world is going, the way people have separated the, the moral reality of certain uh, trends uh, and have just, in, in their mind, have a false dualism, saying, Sunday, that's, that's for church and God and Jesus. And Monday, I can go out here and be the biggest... Uh, most radical, uh, wrong political person or social person on the planet. Cannot be. I still believe Christians are biblicists 24-7. I believe we ought to look, act, talk, walk, behave, and vote like Christians. Now, there, are, there are some exciting things developing and happening. I love it when young people want to serve the Lord. But they need to be given some roots. They need to be reminded that the world did not begin with them. This generation, I'm talking about uh, Generation Xers and what's coming thereafter, the Millennials. This world didn't start with them. They don't have the benefit of a sense of history because history has been rewritten. And they don't have a sense of what's appropriate and what's right. They have no idea what's appropriate and right. And they haven't been taught it. And mom and dad many times are AWOL instead of teaching the kids the right way. The Bible is very clear about responsibility. It's mom and dad's responsibility to teach the Word of God and inculcate within their boys and girls, their teenagers, the Word of God. And you're not done, you're not through until they're living it. Until from their heart, they're obedient, they're trusting the Lord, looking to God. This nation was founded by people who were raised that way, whether they were born again or not. They had been raised with a sense of who God is and that the Bible is true. And that's why the laws are written the way they are, based upon biblical truth, but rapidly that's passing away. I believe it's very important that we help this generation come up. We, we've got to help the older generation and everybody in between as well, because time is passing. And... As you move from stage to stage in your life, it's like moving from room to room in a big house that's got a very narrow, low passageway between the rooms. And when you go from one stage to the next, it's like going from one room to the next with a whole big load of baggage 
that you can't get through those little passageways. You've got to deal with the baggage. God intended for us to grow in grace from infancy to childhood, elementary years, junior high, senior high, young adult, on through each stage of life and to deal with, biblically, each of the problems and challenges without carrying it with us. How many of you have tried to do business with or, or deal in a relationship with people who obviously have pulled a bunch of unresolved baggage through from back in their school days? You just, I mean, it's almost impossible. And we need to raise up a generation that will get it right. And we as adults, mature adults, need to get it right. Give it all to Jesus. Very important. If we're going to win this world to Christ, we can't do it emotionally disabled. We've got to do it equipped. And so instead of responding or reacting to everything in life as though we're still in middle school, we've got to grow up and give it to Jesus. We're learning, aren't we, sweetie? We're learning. We're learning that when something bad happens, we don't thank the Lord for the bad thing that happens, but that in that situation, God can work with us and work in us. Lord, we don't know why this is happening, but we give you the glory, and we're waiting to see what you're going to do. And Lord, we're surrendered. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. We will never carry out world evangelization, world missions outreach until we grow up. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This nation, collectively, is one of the last superpowers. Now, there are other nations that fancy themselves. I'm sure with all of their people, China would like to think of themselves as being a superpower. And if the United States of America and others didn't keep bailing them out, they might be. But they're not. They're not, they're not dependent. They don't have officially any place for God. And their history has been one of not acknowledging God in all their ways. Russia... Russia, as some have told me from inside, when the KGB found out that the Soviet Union was falling, the KGB went right on in their activities. They just turned their hat around. That's the way the Russians describe it. They just turned their hat around. So KGB is on the back. But they're still the KGB. And not only the KGB, but everything else in that society. Praise God for all the souls that were saved under that domination, those that have been saved since that domination. But I'm going to tell you right now, Russia is not a superpower. They are the bear. They're going to come down against Israel. It's going to happen. It's in prophecy. I remember Jack Van Empe preaching that. And I remember, I remember Jerry Falwell preaching his message about the bear coming down. That's going to happen. Don't know if it's before or during the tribulation, though, Tom. I, God has not whispered in my ear which one that is. But we know that there are going to be some scary things happen probably after we've left this world. And they're not going to do it. Putin is not going to end this world. You can sleep tonight. Putin is not going to push the button that's going to end this world. God has reserved that for himself. Because of his word in 2 Peter, all the elements are going to fervently melt. But not 
in a nuclear holocaust. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Now, what are you left with? You got Israel. Israel's propped up by the United States. They have God's covenant. The Old Testament covenant people are going to one day see Jesus. And so you've got a power there. I'll never forget back in the 1980s, I sat down with the top guy in the Marine Intel, and I, I asked about the Russian threat. And he said, oh, those numbers, they've got junkyards. And, and most of their pilots and many of their officers are drunkards. They drink a bottle of vodka every night. Now, he was being very candid with me, and I think he probably had second thoughts later on. But that's what he was saying. I said, well, what is the real concern of Marine Intel? He said, the real concern is if the Israelis get their hands on all of the top secret next generation weapons that we're working on. He said, they will wipe out the Arabs. And there has to be a balance in the Middle East. Now, whether we understand or agree with that, that's what came down from Intel. And what I'm telling you right now, there is, in reality, one superpower, humanly speaking, on this planet right now. And that superpower is the United States of America. God has given us this role in this time. And instead of our becoming the great spiritual liberator, we have taken on every other role imaginable. We need to be the salt and the light. Are you listening to me? We need to win this world to Christ, and we need to start off in the United States of America, and churches need a revival. Christians need a revival. Christians need to grow in grace and grow up and stop acting like we're the immature babies that we act like. We need to live for Jesus. We need to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There are many, many other areas that we need to beware. But as I speak tonight, I'm glad that God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering. And when I pray, when I have my time with the Lord, I remind him of that. I say, Lord, you say in your word, mercies endure forever. Mercies endure to all generations. Lord, I claim that. You are a gracious God. Everything that we have and are and will ever be is undeserved favor. Number three, you are long-suffering. Long ago, ask anybody. If we were God, we'd have wiped out the world again. Couldn't be a flood, but we'd have pushed some button and bent over. But we're not God. He is. He knows what He's doing. And people are going to have an opportunity to come to God through Christ if we get it right. Imagine, think, think back to the, how many of you have been in the supermarket, the grocery store recently? Been in the grocery store? Okay. If you are, there's at least a 50-50 chance you've encountered the parents with the spoiled kids. When you get to the checkout, I mean, everything breaks loose. Because they wanted that back there! And the parents... Need some help, don't they? You'd like to step up and say, 
May I borrow your children for a few minutes? I'd like to have a word with them. But the laws of our country prohibit that. So we can't do that. But that does illustrate something. In many ways, many in the churches, and sometimes whole churches, whole groups of churches, are like a bunch of whining, spoiled kids. I'm sorry. That's what we see. And God is dealing with it. God's dealing with our whining, our complaining, our murmuring, because we don't get what we want when we want it, instead of saying, not my will, but thine be done. Those apostles said, we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and to the ministry of the word. We'll give ourselves. It's yours to give. And God would like to take you and use you. And if you'll give yourself, he will use you in such a wonderful way you would never have imagined as he wins this world. Amen and amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to sing in a moment, I will serve thee. But as we do, I wonder how many of you today would give yourself a fresh and a new and say, I want to serve the Lord because I love him. He first loved me. Because he gave himself to me, I want to give myself back to him. I'm, I'm, I'm zero. I'm nothing without him. But I want to be used. I want to be equipped. I want to discover. And I want to develop. And I want to do the spiritual gifts that God's given me. Put your hand up high. That's what I want. That's my desire. That's what I want. Amen. That's what I want. Praise the Lord. Will you surrender tonight? If you're not sure you're saved for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just pray in your heart something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. 